1: All right, Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspaper's Chris Cervello, class of 99, is our producer. Uh, The college basketball season is done. Uh, UConn winning the dominating fashion, very Villanova-like of them, actually. And uh, joining us this week to kind of put a bookend on the college basketball season are the voices of Navy basketball, Pete Medhurst and Mike Heary. They're gonna evaluate what they saw um, during the NCAA tournament, what the impact of NIL and the transfer portal continues to be on the game, and more importantly, what the prospects look like for Navy basketball with this coaching staff, with the graduation of so many players and a very uncertain future. uh, What should we expect? We cannot wait to be joined by Mike Heary and Pete Medhurst. We're also gonna be joined by Navy water polo players Graham Linder and Peter Hillen. They are sitting number one and number two in the overall order of merit for their class, the class of 2023. Uh, Pretty amazing accomplishment. They're smart. They're great leaders. They're great athletes. We have a quick interview with them. But first things first, WAGs. Um, It was a busy week or weekend for uh, Navy sports. And as we've been prone to do of late, Let's start with lacrosse. If you would have told me that Navy lacrosse after all of their problems, after everything that was going on, that they would defeat BU 10-8 um, at home under the lights on Friday, um, I, I would have been surprised by that. But you were in attendance. You were able to see what what uh, transpired. And, uh, and how did men's lacrosse pull off the upset? Well, John,
2: it was a great effort by Navy. And just on both ends of the field, really. And it started with Anthony Gobriel at the face-off spe- uh, specialist. He, he won the battle of faceoffs with the Calderone. He's an excellent, one of the best face-off specialists in the Patriot League. Pat Ryan played very well in goal, was solid. The defense was outstanding. I mean, it really held a very high-scoring Boston offense, which averages almost 15 goals per game in check. Obviously, eight goals. That's a pretty... Holding a team that averages 15-8 to is is just outstanding. Jackson Bonnets had a a fantastic game. The entire defense, really, it's hard to single out any one person. Everyone on defense did their job. And what I liked offensively, John, was the fact that the Navy shared the ball. And there was a lot of ball movement. They kept it hot, as they say in lacrosse, and got a lot of touches. And it was great to see Tommy Hovivian, who hasn't played a whole lot, but is starting to play a lot more because of the injuries. Uh, He had three goals and played really, really well. He was finishing on the doorstep with some great feeds. Just a a tremendous performance, and it really provides a lift to Navy because, John, they were heading in a direction of not making the Patriot League tournament, um, and they needed some big wins. And, you know, obviously – you know, beating Holy Cross, even though Holy Cross is a struggling, winless team, it provided a confidence boost. And uh, and the, you know, now if Navy could follow this up by beating Loyola Maryland on the road Friday night, it would be huge, John.
1: Yeah, Wags. I was looking at the schedule. They do have to turn around and face off against the the Fighting Charlie Toomeys there under the lights uh, Friday night in Baltimore. Uh, then they get Lafayette, and then it's the star game against Army on April 22nd. So at this point, because of the slow start, you're right. Every game from here on out is kind of a playoff game. So, Wags, the question that I had for Xavier Arline on our last pod was, are we going to see you again this lacrosse season? Was he out there on Friday night, or what have you heard from sports information about how much Xavier Arline is going to be a part of this team going forward? Well, actually, Xavier did play a little bit on Friday night, not much, you know, he, he gave it a go.
2: He's, he's been banged up a little bit, but I also found out that he participated in a couple football practices last week. I believe uh, Thursday and Saturday of the previous week, he practiced or no, I'm sorry. The Saturday that Navy played Holy cross in lacrosse Xavier was able to participate in practice. And then the following Thursday, the night before the lacrosse game, he was able to, participate in football, but it was very, very limited he's he's not contact obviously it's very limited uh participation but yes, he did go, but he he uh he did not play much, John
1: all right, we'll keep an eye on that and as we said, if you have the capability to do so, head on up to Baltimore on Friday night to cheer on Navy lacrosse against Loyola. How about women's lacrosse? so ladies and gentlemen, they are now number 20 in the country, deservedly so since we last talked to you. They just schooled Lafayette and then beat a very good Colgate team 15 to 10. Kind of an off day for our hero, Ava Yovino. She only had one goal and one assist, but she had a great game against Lafayette. But much more importantly, and I know that Cindy Timshel will cringe at me, you know, mentioning a plebe at the very beginning. You know, this is a very, very deep Navy team. Um, You know, Colgate, yes, at the bottom of the Patriot League, but a competitive squad, you got Hatties from DeFabio, from DeCarlo, from you got uh, uh, Lola Leone getting two goals and Emily Emily Messonese. Wags, this is a team that is hitting its stride, beating the teams it's supposed to beat, and now a little trip up to BU on Saturday will really cement their place in this conference as Army and Loyola lurk at the very end of the regular season schedule. Yeah, I was
2: out there Saturday and it was... um... You know, Colgate, I saw the record, it was two and eight or whatever they came in, and you thought, you know, I, I don't expect this to be a real competitive game. I expect Navy to get after him early, and they didn't. Colgate hung tough. Colgate was winning the draws, uh, really dominating the draws, to be honest. And Navy didn't turn that around until the fourth uh quarter. But um, yeah, a- outstanding performance. You mentioned the young talent. There's a the future is incredibly bright with Maggie DeFabio, Fabio. And Ava Yovino and, you know, there, there are so many talented freshmen and sophomores, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, Emma Richardel, the goalie, is playing a lot better. She is starting to make double digit saves on a regular basis, which is one she want to see. And uh, they named the Patriot League uh, Players of the Week. And Athena Karun was the Defensive Player of the Week. And uh, Emma was the Goalkeeper of the Week. So that's kudos to them. But, um, yeah, Navy uh, got the job done. I mean, I I don't think Cindy was overly thrilled. She thought the offense should have finished more opportunities and put that game away. But a win's a win. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, at this point, John, it's really about three teams. It's Army, Navy, and Loyola, Maryland. And I guess it's going to come down. I really think it's going to be hard for anyone to beat Loyola. They are so top heavy with you know seniors graduate students uh that whole nine and and, and i think the army navy game is going to be crucial unfortunately it's up there at west point but that's all right navy can win in west point has done so before i think that's going to come down to who the two teams get a a, a buy in the first round and i think the winner of army navy is probably going to determine which team gets the buy
1: yeah, as I said, they uh, they are on the road for the next two games against BU and America. And the next time you can see the Navy women's lacrosse team at Navy and Marine Corps Stadium, ladies and gentlemen, Saturday, April 15th at high noon against Holy Cross. File your taxes? Nah. Let's go watch Navy women's lacrosse. So before we go to the break in our interview with Pete Medhurst and Mike Heery, let's quickly touch on baseball wags. Um, this baseball team had turned it around. They had swept Um, a really good uh, Holy Cross team. They had just really had turned so many things around in the Patriot League schedule, Uh, you know, winning the series or splitting the series with Bucknell, winning the series against Lehigh, uh, splitting with Lafayette and then sweeping Holy Cross. But then unfortunately yesterday, Wags, sort of surprisingly, the pitching was there. The hitting was not. Navy drops a doubleheader to Army up at West Point, not the star games, mind you. But still, you never want to lose the Army. They lost the first game 2-1, the second game 5-0 as the bats went silent. Wags, it's still an upward trend, but th- these losses against Army, this is really what's colored this, this Navy sports season as compared to last year is that the wins against Army just aren't coming as hot and heavy. Well,
2: that was a disappointing
1: performance up there at West Point, and this this doubleheader
2: was moved due to weather. It wasn't supposed to be played on Monday, Wound up being a long road trip for Navy, which had to go to Holy Cross first and then over to West Point. But, yeah, I mean, the bats just didn't get the job done. I mean, you're losing two to one. you got to put up more runs than that. Navy had nine hits and, you know, couldn't get people across to the plate. So uh, the Star Series this March – the Star Series is April 22nd and 23rd. There will be a doubleheader on Saturday – in a single game on Sunday. And that's Navy's got to win the star series. That's going to be the key for baseball.
1: All right. Absolutely agree. Wags. And uh, again, please come out and check out uh, Navy baseball there um, right across from the new alumni center. By the way, if I haven't said it on this pod before, when I go to Navy baseball games, I keep walking into the stands and there are people drinking beer in there. You can see a baseball game for free and drink a cheap beer, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what other excuse you need to support Navy sports. So let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to have Pete Medhurst and Mike Heery. We're going to break down basketball. One of my favorite things in the world This is sing second sports.
0: All right Sing second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Coach Brian Newberry will hold an open practice this Saturday at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. The practice begins at 9am and kids game and family activities will start at 10. Both will be followed by a team autograph signing and Q&A session with Coach Newberry and his coordinators. And while we're talking football, Navy season tickets are on sale now. The six game home slate is highlighted by the Service Academy rival game with Air Force on Saturday, October 21st. So get on over to NavySports.com and check out all of the information on how to get your season tickets. Now back to the pot.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I have to say not my happiest moment is Danny Hurley, uh, cut down the nuts with UConn basketball. Uh, congrats to Navy soccer coach Tim O'Donohue, who I know has uh, an affinity for the Yukon Huskies. But as the Nets were cut down, the far right bookend on the Navy or basketball season writ large uh, was placed. And now it's time to look forward to next year. ESPN has the way too early top 25, as they always do. But all that really matters is. The season is over. Let's get the experts in here to talk about what that season meant and what it meant for Navy basketball. Joining us is Pete Medhurst and Mike Herry, the dynamic duo, um, broadcasting games for Navy basketball this year. Pete, I'll start with you. Not since the Villanova Wildcats have I seen a team dominate the NCAA tournament and win by so many points. In fact, I think it was Mike Herry's Tony Delk-led Kentucky Wildcats in '96. (laughs) <laughs> who had the largest point differential uh, of all time. But Villanova was right behind him. In terms of the tournament run by UConn, this is a team that a lot of people
3: thought at the beginning of the season could be here in the Final Four. Uh, they started off well. There was kind of a you know, start of the Big East season where everybody started to get a little like, hey, what's up with UConn uh, type thing. But, again, they got going at the right time. They've got all the pieces. They've got a floor general. They've got a great guard in Hawkins. They've got a big man in Sanoga. And And, look, they played, for the most part, I thought, incredibly unselfish basketball during this tournament. But let's face it, they defended. And you have a big man in the middle that when you cannot drive to the bucket at will, like I believe you can in a lot of parts of this game right now, both men and women. You can drive the ball right through the bucket because people don't want to defend. UConn had an answer though back there and that changes things dramatically when you have that type of a player on the back end in any defense because he can erase a lot of mistakes. Even lazy guys that can't guard on the perimeter, he's back there to make them look good erasing those mistakes. And plus, I think Danny's a great coach. There's no doubt that coaching lineage speaks for itself. And I thought we saw a maturing Danny Hurley during all this. We didn't see the guy imploding on the sideline all the time on the officials every time he had a chance to unload on them. And I think that may have made Connecticut even better. Because if you've got a a focused Danny Hurley with all that coaching knowledge over there, um, I think that makes UConn even better. And I think that's a I think that's a bad sign for the big east going forward because now this is just going to make UConn even better. Uh, because kids are going to see this and say, hey, I want to go be a part uh, of that culture.
1: Mike, let me transition over to you. Maybe it was Danny Hurley not changing his underwear for the entire tournament, you know, that helped him keep his uh, keep his temper in check, but, but help us transition to Navy basketball. You know, as we watched all of these teams in March Madness, we had to go back to that idea of Man, wouldn't it be fun if we were like traveling to Albany to watch Navy play a number one seed? When are we going to see them back in the position they were in when you were a player? From your perspective, as you're bookending the Navy basketball season, how far away are they? Because, you know, you've got some numbers, you know, Coach DeCellis and his staff, they've done very well, particularly against Army. But a lot of these people, as they're watching the NCAA tournament and hello, friends with Jim Nance, they only have one thing in mind, and that's, hey, I want to see this team in March.
4: Yeah, John, I mean, the Patriot League's a one-bid league. It's It's been that way since the inception of the league. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Navy now is going to enter a cycle where they're going to be a lot younger than they were the last few years. The last three years, I mean, they had a lot of seniors that logged a lot of minutes, and uh, that created some freshmen and sophomores that didn't get as much playing time because you know you got to outplay the guy in front of you so for a player it's a heck of an opportunity for guys like Austin Benini and Mike Woods who was spectacular off the bench particularly the last 10 to 15 games of the season and Aiden Kehoe names that you know got some minutes sparingly big kid who I think has a bright future you know now's the time for those guys along with the sophomore class of Met Methurts, two of his favorite players, Lysander Rindstrom and Mac McDonald. They this is their time to step up in the offseason and 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 you know take on those minutes, you know, that are going to be left from Sean Yoder and Tyler Nelson and, and the rest of the guys. And and you got a guy in Austin Inge who's going to be really essentially, you know, the 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 primary senior with the most minutes you know, on the roster. So a much younger team. It's unfortunate that. Sean Yoder got hurt at the end of the season there and they weren't able to obviously play, you know, more like themselves against American in the quarterfinals because, you know, the last few years, I mean, they went to the championship two years ago and this past year, you know, they just, you know, played a, played a bad game at the wrong time, but they had the the ingredients to compete. Uh, the, you know, the challenge has been Colgate and unfortunately Matt Langle's not going anywhere uh, for the rest of the Patriots. I, I guess it's unfortunate because he's going to continue to retool as well and his his job there that he's doing such an amazing job at Colgate. So um, it's going to be tougher here in the next year or two for for Navy, but a great opportunity obviously as well for some of these younger guys.
1: So Pete, before Wags uh, chimes in with his questions, you know, one of the things we really didn't talk about a bunch on the podcast this year, you know, was, was the absence of Jalen Walker. In fact, I just had the opportunity about three and a half weeks ago to have dinner with him he talked me through his situation, what a mature young man. And now, you know, service assigning aviation and, and his Navy career is going to take off while his basketball career didn't. I always kind of thought that Jalen's absence is a big banger, the really awkward left handed screwball shot, you know, for as ugly as it was to look at sometimes, was a really key element to this team. I know that it wasn't just one thing that they were missing that led to a first round ouster in the Patriot League tournament. But from your perspective, how much you know were they missing this year that 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 kept them from really catching Matt Langle and, and Colgate?
3: I mean, look here's the here's the thing. I mean, uh, we talked about this all the time. Tucker Richardson played like 932 games. He started 928 <laughs> of them at Colgate. Um, imagine Navy last year with Cam Davis on the team. Imagine this team with John Carter and Greg Summers uh, and guys that could have. Uh, qualified for a fifth year based on what other teams are doing. I mean, there's a, I mean, Colgate, I mean, look, Tucker Richardson is a a heck of a basketball player, but he's also a heck of a leader. So even in tough times, he's the kind of guy that when you have a freshman point guard, you have a great leader in Richardson uh, who brings all of that together. And whether people want to realize it or not, it is a factor at the service academy. You're not getting the fifth year of Navy. You're not getting it uh, at Army. You know, Jalen Walker physically, man, a matchup nightmare. He's a great guy. He's the perfect guy to put on Tucker Richardson. He's got size and he's got length. And he's the kind of guy that can neutralize a lot of teams' good uh, perimeter players. Plus, he he could have gone and rebounded. And remember, if he's at a civilian school, he's probably playing. So, uh, again, everybody wants – Uh, the academy to focus on all of the things that make the academy the academy so when they do that you know there's criticism there but yet there's criticism for the athletic teams when it hurts them when they can't take advantage of some of the things that other teams in particularly even in the patriot league like Colgate uh, are taking advantage of you've seen Bucknell eventually uh, kind of fall off the map here a little bit too because They don't have fifth-year access. So everybody goes, man, these guys are leaving. Well, they don't have a fifth-year program for them to take. So once they get their degree, it's, you know, that's why Andrew Funk is out there shooting threes for Penn State in the NCAA tournament this year and helping Micah Shrewsbury get the Notre Dame job. So all of these things matter. They're all a part of it, and every Naval Academy athletic team is affected by it because a lot of the people they play, you know, do have access Uh, to to fifth-year opportunities, and unfortunately, uh, the Mids just don't. Mike gave a good rundown of some of the players who will be returning next season that maybe
2: we'll be counting on. Have you heard much about incoming recruits? Does does
3: it look like there's some talent coming either from the prep school or direct? I I know that they are excited about a couple of prep school potential players, but until they show up on I-Day, you don't know that they're coming. Uh, because as we found out through football through the past few years, uh, prep school kids at the Naval Academy sometimes end up somewhere else uh, that they were counting on. And, you know, until they show up on I-Day, you you don't know that they're coming, but if they do, then yeah, I mean, there's some people that can contribute there. I think the, uh, the other thing too, and I want to go back to some of the players Mike brought up. Look, I I think, I think Mac McDonald, Lysander, Redstrom can do one thing. They can shoot the heck out of the basketball and you know, as Mike said, this team is going to have to. I don't want to say they're going to have to totally reinvent uh, philosophy, but they're going to have to offensively. Um, I think, again, utilize guys that can shoot the basketball like that uh, going forward. The biggest challenge for both players is getting better physically, getting bigger physically, stronger physically to try and guard people in the Patriot league. I mean, as Mike and I see all the time, every game wags, you see them at all the home games. This league has got talent, man. There are a lot of talented players in this league. And if you're not physically capable of doing it over 30 games, you're going to get exposed. And it happens all over uh, the Patriot league uh, during the course of of the season. So I, I think to me, that's the biggest thing they got to get with, with, Coach Spade getting that in that weight room, they got to get bigger. They got to get stronger uh, so they can go out and and guard, in many cases, grown men uh, on some of these teams uh, that they're playing out there. But I I think those are two guys. Obviously, you know Benini showed us at times he could really uh, be be a terrific point guard uh, going forward for this team. And Austin Inge is going to have to be that glue. He's going to have to be that leader uh, for them going forward because there's going to be a lot of new guys next year getting minutes that haven't had great responsibilities for this team. Mike, I'll ask you, uh, are,
2: are there any, you know, Mike Woods was a guy that really showed up toward the end of the season. and I think he's a talented guy. Are there any guys on the bench that didn't get any playing time that maybe weren't ready for prime time, but that maybe perhaps out at practice or early and shoot around, maybe you saw some talent there, some athletic ability, or any, you know, guys that could come out of nowhere next season in your view?
4: Yeah, you know, Bill, I think sometimes, you know, look at what Christian Jones did this year. I mean, he didn't really play at all, right, for three years. And then this year, out of nowhere, he was such an important player for the team, you know, and, and you know, single-handedly arguably was able to, to get the Army win for Navy up at Army. Um, you know, I think two guys that you saw minutes in – But you were a little like, I don't know if these guys are the right fit. But, again, they got thrown into playing because maybe foul trouble existed with Deaver or whatever. Mitch Fisher, I think, is a guy that they think will probably mature and get better. Um, I think Tony Atkinson is another big body at 6'8", 230-plus. He's going to get bigger and stronger, who will be a senior, along with Austin Inch, who's played minutes. Don't be surprised if a couple of those guys – Um, to go along with Mike Woods, who I think has a chance to be pretty special um, for the team moving forward. Those couple guys, to me, while you saw them in glimpses, and maybe you didn't like what they did in two minutes of work, they're going to get their opportunities, particularly early in the year. Coach Tuchelis has shown throughout his entire 12 years here that he'll give older guys the chance to play their way into more minutes or play their way out of minutes. And I think those two big guys um, will be a big factor uh, along with Aiden Keogh um, moving forward. Last for me, Pete, what happened to Cam Summers? He was a starter at the beginning of the
3: year. By the end of the year, he wasn't playing at all. I mean, again, it's what coaches want you to earn your minutes. Uh, And we saw glimpses from him uh, as the early part of the season was going. We saw him start to hit some shots uh, as well, which was you know, I thought a good thing uh, early in the campaign. But you know how tough it is, Billy, you play basketball, you were star at St. Mary's, you know, when, when you play your way out of the rotation and it can only take a couple of games, it could take improvement by other players. I mean, Mike, you know, mentioned Christian Jones. I think Christian Jones is a guy uh, that, and and Mike Woods, I think those two guys alone probably took the minutes that Cam Summers uh, likely uh, was going to get during the course of the season. So if you can't take every time you 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 put somebody in you got to take somebody out and if you'd have taken Christian Jones and Mike Woods out of the rotation um then coaches would have been you know criticized uh, in that situation for doing that so it's a case where Cam's got to come back again get stronger he's another guy that needs to I think add some strength and uh but I I think he's got skills though I think he has the ability uh to play we saw it in glimpses last year but sometimes with young players takes a little more time uh to develop that entire game that uh, gives coaches the confidence to put you out on the court. I don't think it's because the player doesn't have any skill because I think Cam Summers has got uh, plenty of ability and, you know, this will be a chance for him to, to reload and get better here in this off season and be ready to attack the 23, 24 campaign for them because there are minutes readily available
1: for a lot of guys. Yeah. And who's going to step up and take advantage will be the question. Um, You know, as always, they'll get that chance pretty early on, probably against some really high profile competition in the veterans classic. Now coach DeCellis, we can thank for, for really the establishment of this and the leveraging of his relationships in college basketball to get this amazing series to Navy. Have you heard anything early whispers about who might be coming in for next year's veterans classic? And secondly, you know, I, I mentioned Coach DeCellis. I'm sure a lot of people were probably wondering, hey, will there be a change? Hey, a first-round loss in the, in the Patriot League tournament. But, you know, Mike and I were talking this morning um, off-air about, you know, Coach DeCellis' record, and I'm going to ask him to opine on that. But, you know, as, as we look toward next year, one big thing is, is the Coach DeCellis crew um, and what they've done to increase the brand, to get the Veterans Classic, and to win a lot of star meets. Star meets star games, Pete. I'll start with you. Your evaluation there.
3: I mean, look, the team has finished second, first, second, and second. I mean, the last four years. Uh, if if Cam Davis is, I mean, if Cam Davis is able to play in that tournament a couple of years ago, uh, you know, it's just like the John Griffin half court shot against Bucknell. If that doesn't go in, Billy Lang and that crew probably won the Patriot League that year. Um, if Cam Davis plays in the tournament, Navy probably wins the tournament, uh, that year. So, you know, I, I think we'd be talking about a completely, there, I, I'm not sure there'd be any criticism out there, uh, from anyone. If, you know, Cam's able to finish that tournament and they go on and win the tournament. Look, this program did not compete for a long time in the scholarship era. There were, t- there were, uh, there were good seasons every now and then, but consistency across the board had not been there. Uh, Coach DeCellis and his crew has found that, and I mean, look, anytime we can go two-one-two two, and two in the league, and consider look, look where we were early in the season, we get that six-game losing streak, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, the sky is falling." That that could have gone one of two ways, and they made sure it went the right way, and I think that's a testament to the culture. Uh, That coach and his coaching staff have built and those players that are resilient and understand, hey, we're never out of this. And they work their way back up uh, to finishing in second place in the league. So I I got no problem with the leadership of this program. Uh, As for the Veterans Classic, you know, this unfortunately each year now gets tougher and tougher to fill because you have so many teams that could be playing in their own building. Um, every every night, and we know they'd much rather be playing in front of nine to twelve thousand people in their own building uh, than going to play uh, a neutral site road game. Um, you know, based on some of the things that you're hearing uh, behind the scenes, um, I think it could set up for yet another really good uh, event. But the problem for not only Navy, it's TV partner CBS, it's it's getting other teams to want to come here, give up a potential home game uh and and come here and play but uh, the conversations that uh, I know are being had if they come to fruition and people will actually sign contracts um I think we're gonna have another great event and I think it's been a great event and Mike and I have been blessed to broadcast both games in that event uh every year on the radio and um you know talking to Roy Williams when he was here visiting with coach to earlier in the season I asked him I said hey why'd you bring your team here And he goes, because Ed asked. (laughs) So, you know, you got some coaches like him, Coach Izzo, you know, who are willing to to bring their kids and have uh, a great experience. Coach Turgeon brought Maryland uh, a a few years ago. You know, you're hoping at some point maybe now with Coach Cooley in in charge at Georgetown, maybe now we can talk the Hoyas into considering uh, this event uh, and and coming over and playing here. Because the one thing we find out, John – is when teams come here and Mike sees this, Mike Mike usually goes over uh, to the sword presentations. At some point, I know Chet's going to give Mike a sword because he's over there yeah. and mistaken for a head coach with all that great hair and everything like that. But <laughs> it, 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 it's 100% true. Every team that has come here cannot say enough about the experience afterwards. It blows them away. They have no idea. Their kids have no idea what the day in the life of a midshipman is all about. And I think it gives them uh, an amazing look and an amazing experience at what our kids do uh, on a daily basis over here that makes them the best, the brightest, and part of a very unique and special group like Mike is. That brotherhood is not very big for a reason. You know, we've only got 4,400 on campus and by the end of the year, less than that, as we know from attrition. But There's a reason why there's only 4,400 here because we only take the best and the brightest an exclusive group of young men and young women that want to better themselves but also are incredibly unselfish at wanting to serve our country when all of this uh, is over. So I, I hope any of those teams that are under consideration sign the contract because every single team that has come here has had an amazing experience here at the Veterans Classic.
1: Mike, I'll give you the last word on this.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to top the way uh, Pete Metter speaks. He's so eloquent. I just am along for the ride here. But I will tell you this. I I couldn't agree more with everything Pete said. A couple things I wanted to touch on that he mentioned earlier. Number one is Mike Bray, the old Notre Dame coach, said this, get old and stay old. And Navy's in a situation here where just these next couple years or next year they're going to be a little younger than they've been. The way you compete against the transfer portal and and the other uh, uh, fifth year and the different things going on in the Patriot League and all over the landscape of college basketball is you got to have good, strong numbers of, of players in your junior and senior class. And Navy had that the last few years. They're not going to have it you know, as much um, um, next year. But again, you know, guys will step up and it's a great opportunity. Um, this staff over the last eight years, 135 wins, 104 losses overall in the Patriot League, 81 wins, 58 losses. Six of those eight years, the last eight years, have been winning seasons. Two of them, twenty-plus wins, which we've only had a less than I think ten or fifteen, twenty-plus wins in uh, seasons in the history of the academy. Very small number. I don't have that exactly, but you know, at the end of the day, um, they've been very consistent. They've been competing, at, knocking at that door, and and I think it, eventually it's going to fall through. It's going to knock over, and they're going to get in that in that tournament and they're going to have an opportunity maybe to host that Patriot League championship game might not happen next year or the year after because of, you know, the, the youth of this team. And you can't underestimate the power of experience, but I think overall this, this coaching staff and team is, you know, just done an excellent job, particularly the last eight years of really trending in the right direction and and being relevant more consistently in the league. Um, A veterans classic can't say enough about the event. It's single, Easily the, the the number one thing Ed DeCellis has been able to bring to this institution and to me as a former player is I just I salivate every time we get a chance to do both those games on the radio. But more than that, I just think about God. I wish our teams could have had a chance to to play a, a team like that on a stage like that to open up the season. Um, it's a heck of an opportunity for for the kids. And and Pete's right. I mean, like every player and coach that comes in, you know, and and experiences what it's like at the academy walks away so impressed and proud and i think it really probably helps their teams moving forward in the rest of their seasons and uh i know we were all proud to say we beat princeton this year who knew beating princeton the first game of the year was going to be such a big deal when they went on their run of the sweet 16 so it's uh it's a exciting part of of what navy basketball has uh moving forward
1: no, I agree, and I know that if I could go back in time, I'd want to see Mike Heary guarding Tony Delk's curl route, uh, getting that uh, getting that pass <laughs> up at the uh, at the top of the key and, and firing. Uh, gentlemen, I'll tell you what: there, there are no smarter three people in the on the planet in Navy basketball than Mike Heary, Pete Medhurst, and Bill Wagner to to have the three of you riffing about it here. Has been an absolute pleasure. I just like to drop in sophomoric references to the Terps and Villanova. That's what I bring. Um, but, gents, thank you so much for your analysis and what you did for uh, for Navy basketball season. We can't wait to see you next November. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Looking forward to it all right ladies and gentlemen we're going to go to break thank you to pete medhurst and mike here when we come back we're going to talk to number one and number two overall order of merit in the brigade of midshipmen peter hillen and graham linder that's what mike here was until the very end and he got kind of screwed on an english grade or something like that and, (laughs) and finished outside of the top two but uh we're going to talk to them when we come back to break stick with us this is sing second sports
0: All right, another set of announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Spend your Easter Sunday at the ballpark as Navy returns to Max Bishop Stadium this weekend for a series against Holy Cross presented by the Annapolis area Jimmy John's. First pitch is set for 1 p.m. with an Easter egg hunt being hosted at the game. While we're talking baseball, The boys return to Max Bishop Stadium on Saturday, April 22nd, as they start a three-game series against Army, with a doubleheader beginning at noon on that Saturday. Be sure to get out to the ballpark early, as Navy will be honoring the senior class prior to the start of the game. In addition, fans will receive a free Beat Army Rally towel while supplies last. Now back to the pod.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sync Second Sports Podcast. We have a great, great segment here. Uh, This is our current athlete segment, and we are joined by Navy Water Polo Firsties Peter Hillen and Graham Linder. And something Particular about these two gentlemen is that they are currently standing one and two in the current class, the class of two thousand twenty-three. They are four-year members of the uh, water polo team, leaders on this water polo team, leaders in the hall, and obviously achieving in the hall. Now standing at number one, Peter Hillen, and number two, Graham Linder. I don't think that that has happened before. I'll have to go to Coach Louis Nicolau or maybe someone in the. Uh, in the uh, academic office to see. But uh, awesome opportunity here to have a conversation with them. Peter, I'll start with you. What has your experience been like here? Could you have thought four years ago when you were coming to the Naval Academy that you'd be currently sitting as number one in the overall order
5: of merit? Definitely not. I I was hoping to come into the Naval Academy and, and, you know, make myself proud, make my family proud and you know, that was never, never about the, the rank. And, and so um, obviously I'm proud to be here, but um, I think my, my more meaningful goals have been smaller, uh, kind of incremental ones that, that have gotten me to this point.
1: And so just so we catch everyone up with what you're doing, what did you service assign and what's your major? <clears throat>
5: um, so I'm a dual major in physics and history. Um, and then I service selected Marine ground.
1: All right. So Graham... As you kind of think back on your four years here, both in the pool and out of the pool, you know, what was that seminal moment that made you think, hey, I'm gonna be at the very top of this class, you know, in terms of order of merit. Ha- has, has there been something that really stood out to you as, as the, the prime mover to where you are today?
6: Um, not really, honestly. I mean, sort of similar to Peter. I just showed up um, and tried to do the same thing I did in high school, which was try as hard as I could in class um, do the, do the extra work that I thought I could do. Um, and that's like in the pool and uh, in the classroom. Um, and then I got to the point that I was at and I was like, well, I I might as well try and keep going. Um, I don't think there's really one seminal moment that, that pushed me to be that, but I'm just excited that I could stay here for four years.
1: And like I asked Peter, um, you I think what we've already said on the podcast that you've service assigned submarines, but you know, what's your major? Where are you from? You know, what else do our listeners need to know about Graham Lindner?
6: Um, yeah, I'm a robotics and control engineering major. Um, we actually just changed names. My plea beer used to be called systems engineering. Now it's robotics and control. Um, I'm from Bel Air, Maryland. I actually played club at Navy AC uh, since middle school. So it's kind of a natural progression to end up here.
1: So for the two of you now, being teammates for four years, and you've got five weeks left, um, the end is in sight. The dark ages are over. You're back from spring break. What are your goals? Are you trying to like soak it in, or are you just trying to like, hey, I need to get out of here?
5: My my first priority right now is my my billet or my job in the in the hall. Um, I'm a company training officer, and so so that's just. Excellent opportunity to work with the um, freshmen and and make sure that they are um, getting what they need to out of this place and and setting them on a good trajectory for the next three years and, and that is where you know the lion's share of my energy is going these days. Graham um,
6: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm more along the soaking in lines um, I'm not the training officer, so I don't have to do that but um, I don't know, just trying to have a good time. Like, I'm in a bunch of classes that I chose to be in. Um, don't have to take any classes that, you know, are part of, a random part of the matrix. So I'm enjoying all my classes. Um, getting to do fun stuff that I haven't gotten to do with Extra Liberty that you guys are a first D and, and some experiences. Um, some really fun experiences we've had, like our commitment dinner or service assignment dinner. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to make the most of the last week's Have uh, as a midshipman because it definitely has has gone by pretty fast.
1: So I'll start with you, Graham, on this last question. Would you be where you are today without athletics? You know, I remember from high school that my grades were always better when I was in season, you know, because I was regimented, I knew what was going on, I had to be a very good steward of my own time. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about the essence of the physical mission, though, that it gives you the building blocks that you need to be successful out of uniform, out of the pool, would you be where you are today without water polo?
6: Probably not. I mean, like you said, it, it definitely forced me to regiment my time pretty well, especially Plebe. Um, I mean, pretty much up until this year, um, just making sure that I got all my work done in, a, in an appropriate amount of time so I could still, like, perform well in the pool. Um, and then it also gave me, like, a really great support system, um, both for, like, if I ever needed help with something in school, but more along the lines of a place to, to relax and, and decompress, um, make jokes, have fun, get out of the school environment, because um, then it, it that really reinvigorates your mind to get ready to go back to the grind when you get out of practice.
1: Peter?
5: Yeah, I will definitely echo that point. Uh, the, the two are totally connected. Um, and then one, one other thing is our coaches do a really good job of prioritizing our lives as midshipmen. So so I think that um it's at least as as important for them that we are good midshipmen as good water polo players. So it's been a been a good community to allow us to succeed.
1: Have you guys stopped to think about what the totality would be of graduating first in your class? I mean, I know Coach Nicolau probably knows who graduated first in every class, like he's a nerd historian but, you know, have you guys thought about what that would mean, you know, to have graduated number one or even number two, um, you know, from an
5: institution like this? Um, I think that, that the best thing I can do is try to forget about it as soon as possible, I, because for each of us it's on to the next thing Um, and, and there's no time to be, you know, resting on our laurels. Graham?
6: Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing is, is graduating. I mean, that's the, I don't (laughs) like, I'm, I'll be happy to graduate wherever I, I end up. Um, and like have so much respect for everybody that graduates regardless of their class rank. And like Peter said, like there's much harder things coming up, um, for both of us. So just excited to get
1: after that. Well, you guys have your minds in the right place. Before I let you go, how do you think this does, you know, or what do you think this does for the water polo brand? You know, if the number two, number one and number two ranked midshipmen graduating in the class of 2023 are on the same team. Are you guys roommates by chance? No. That would be an even better story. (laughs) But, um you know, what What do you think this does for the water polo brand? Like, not only are you working hard in the pool, you're working hard in the classroom, you're attracting the best, you know, the best talent to replace you to fill in behind you, which is what every officer wants, you know, the success of the organization behind them. You know, what are your thoughts on that, you know, and, and what this does for Navy water polo? I think it just shows what we're about. Um, the kind of the kind of culture we're trying to
6: build as a team is that Like we're really hard workers and that doesn't stop when we leave the pool. Um, It's essential to being part of a good water polo team that that you work hard in the pool, but when you're here, that's not your whole life. Um, And being a hard worker outside of the pool translates into what you'll do um, in the
1: future as an officer. Peter, you have the last word.
5: Um, I think that that our whole class of firsties on the team um, has has this culture of excellence um, in and out of the pool. Um, while with, with Graham and I, it's like stuff that shows up well in metric space, but, but each one of us has our thing, has our our goals, and, and we have each pursued those um, with with excellence. And, and so I think that our greatest contribution has been that culture, and I, I hope that continues.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, two great examples of what athletes and scholars are all about here, Graham Linder and Peter Hillen. Of Navy Water Polo, we'll keep you up to date in the last, or in the next and last five weeks of their uh, of their experience here at the Naval Academy. Hopefully, they graduate one and two. I will say this: I'm swelling my boy Peter Hillen a little bit here. He was worried about finishing one because of history classes. He's also a physics major, but uh, his coach uh, Louis Nicolau and I will uh, will promise to help him make sure that he gets an A there. <laughs> Uh, for Sing Second Sports, I am John Schofield. We are out.
0: All right, one final set of announcements from NAAA. Join us Saturday, April 15th for the Navy men's and women's lacrosse doubleheader presented by First Command. Action begins with the women's lacrosse team taking on Holy Cross at noon. Then stick around for the Navy men's lacrosse game as they take on Lafayette at 3.30 p.m. The first 500 fans to the men's game will receive a free foam lacrosse stick tickets for the men's lacrosse game can be purchased by calling 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visiting navysports.com and while you're on navysports.com make sure you get your army navy lacrosse tickets now back to the pod
1: all right ladies and gentlemen we are back great conversation there with uh peter hillen and Graham linder good luck to them over the last four weeks do not mess around during finals and finish outside of the one and two because i know that we have given you the ultimate jinx here on this podcast i'll tell you who isn't jinxed against army is navy track and field wags navy track and field the men and women swept army at the outdoor star meet they clinched the 2022 2023 star series the men's team posted a 126 to 7 to 77 victory That's their 11th consecutive and 52nd overall in the series. The women won won 111 to 92. That's their eighth straight star and 22nd overall win. Like I've been saying, Wags, it's been tough against Army, but we used to say that mules can't swim because we owned them in the pool. I think it's pretty obvious now that mules can't run. Or throw or jump, John.
2: Uh, Yeah, dominant performance by Navy. Uh, leading the way for the men was thrower Joshua Boma. He uh, he totaled 13 points by scoring in all of the throwing events. Molly Chapman, the talented jumper, she had a big day, scored 11 points individually to help the women. And as you mentioned, just dominance of the series. And you got to give it to credit to Navy Director of Track and Field Jamie Cook. And I wrote about this last year, but I think bringing the men and women together under one umbrella. And making it an overall program instead of separate programs was a really wise decision on the behalf of athletic director Chuck Gladchuck. And Jamie has really pushed the level of excellence um, for both the men and women. They work out together, they practice together, they got the same coaches working with them. The coaches working with the thrower, the men throwers work with the women throwers, and so on. So it's really worked out well, and the results are proof. And I expect Navy to now go on and win the Patriot league outdoor championship on both the men's and women's side, John. And uh, we got to mention that those two victories along with a a women's tennis victory enabled Navy to clinch the 2022, 2023 star series. And as you mentioned, it got off to a bit of a rocky start and there've been some losses along the way. It wasn't like last year when Navy clinched the series earlier than ever before. Uh, this was a little tougher, but once again, Navy does capture the Star Series, John.
1: Yeah, Wags, you mentioned the uh, the women uh, beating Army in tennis 4-3 um, up at West Point. There is really nothing like uh, going up to their house and snatching what belongs to us. And yes, we have now won the Star Series. It wasn't the ashelacking that we had last year, but hey, We're just better, and that's what happens. Uh, See you on the 22nd for the next round of star matches. A bunch. Lacrosse, baseball, all of that. Wags, what an amazing pod. I'll give you the last word before we take this baby out. Well, I'm looking forward to the Navy-Loyola game
2: on Friday night up there at Ridley Athletic Complex in Baltimore. Uh, I'm hoping that Navy puts together the type of effort did against Boston University. If it does, it could beat Loyola and. Things would be looking completely different for men's lacrosse. And then Saturday morning, Navy's having an interesting event. Uh, if you recall, Navy football got rid of the annual spring football game, the kind of blue-gold uh, spring game. But they're bringing back a neat event. They're actually calling it a Navy football egg, eggs extravaganza, like eggs because of Easter eggs. But it's Saturday morning. 9 to 11, over at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. The public is welcome. And they're going to have a spirited practice, hopefully get after it a little bit, let the fans see the product on the field. And then afterwards, it's going to be rather interesting, head coach Brian Newberry, offensive coordinator Grant Chesnut, and defensive coordinator PJ Volker are going to do a Q&A, question and answer session with fans, allow fans to ask a few questions of the program. I, mean, I think it's a great idea. It's a unique opportunity. I'm going to be there. I'll be just like the fans. I'm eager to see and hear what the coaching staff has to say. So great event on Saturday. If you're a Navy football fan, get out there to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium Saturday morning.
1: And for more information, as usual, ladies and gentlemen, please visit navysports.com. Hey, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a great, great set of interviews. We're going to be talking to Lewis Gray and Coach Gavin Hickey. As they are about to start the D1A National Championship playoff push, they host the quarterfinals Saturday at 1 p.m. up at Prusmac at Greenberry Point. Uh, so they'll be able to preview that for us. As I said, please come out and support Navy sports this weekend. Come on out to the football egg extravaganza, And if you celebrate it, happy Easter to you guys. We'll see you next week. We're out.